0: You're listening to the Eagles Insider Podcast. Now here's your host, Chris McPherson. Hello, everyone, and welcome to
1: Episode 2 of the Eagles Insider Podcast. Training camp is in full swing, and along with me for the ride is none other than the illustrious Alex Smith.
0: How are you feeling today, C-Mac?
1: Outstanding. Uh, we appreciate all the feedback and comments from the season debut episode of the podcast with guard Brandon Brooks, and you know, I'm a little nervous. Our guest this week is Titan Trey Burton. had a great start to training camp. Yes. I hope he's not going to be injured anytime soon
0: like Brandon. Yes, Brandon Brooks has yet to step foot on the practice field since training camp has begun. Not the trend that we really wanted to start out here with, but according to Coach Peterson, it's not that serious of an issue and he should be back within the next few days here. So that's certainly something that we'll keep an eye on, but really excited to hear from Trey Burton. So once again, this is a friendly public service announcement to remind you to rate, like,
1: or comment, whether it's on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to our podcast. I'll have to check with our legal team. Maybe we can give out prizes moving forward to fans who uh, uh, give little us a bribe love. for the listening mm. audience. I mean, we have a live of swag upstairs. You come upstairs, and my feet under my desk actually rest <laughs> on a box of swag. That's how much
0: we have. The luxurious life that we live exactly. in Complex. So, no, but land. we want to hear the fans' feedback out there. Obviously, with this new format, this only being the second episode, we want to know what you liked, what you didn't like. We did have a couple people reach out to us on Twitter and let us know, so we, we want that to keep going moving forward.
1: So our new format is we go one-on-one with a player to learn about his road to the NFL, and then we check in with someone who helped him get to where he is today, and as uh, we mentioned, Trey Burton, one of the early stars here of training camp. I think this kid has a big role ahead of him, not just on special teams but on offense. In 2016, he originally signed with the Eagles as a rookie free agent out of Florida in 2014. We caught up with Trey to talk about high school football in Florida, playing for the Gators and not really having an NFL position when he came out in that 2014 NFL draft and how that kind of affected his draft stock and his mindset going into the NFL. And what's amazing about Burton is, he's 24 years old, but he's already got a beautiful family. Yes, he's he married, two kids. We've seen them out there on the field at training camp. You had a, a witty tweet the other day yeah.
0: noting how his kids were tackling Jordan Matthews. and It was a great photo. Matthews was on the ground laying on the field. Trey Burton's two kids were around him and his son Jackson was just an evil grin looking at the camera. <laughs> and I retweeted it from the Eagles official Twitter account and said that Trey's already teaching them uh, special teams coverage because Trey is so outstanding on special teams. have
1: to absolutely love it. So later on, we will talk to John Peacock, who is Burton's high school coach in Venice, Florida, and he's still the coach there to this day. But more importantly, he served as the father figure in Burton's life because his own father was not around. So let's get to it. Our interview here on the Eagles Insider Podcast with tight end Trey Burton. This week on the Eagles Insider Podcast, our special guest is none other than, I don't want to say tight end. I think that kind of limits what you do for the Philadelphia Eagles. Just dynamic, versatile player extraordinaire, Trey Burton. Trey, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Trey, I want to go back in time. Take me to
2: Venice, Florida. Yeah. What was life like growing up there? Real relaxing, really chill. The city I grew up in, the the slogan was no shirt, no shoes, no comas. Beach town. Awesome. Very nice. Yeah. So,
1: When did you start playing football? When did you first get into the sport?
2: I started playing when I was five, played three years of flag football. Then after that, I started playing Pop Warner.
1: Early age, did you realize that you were special, or was it something that you had to take some time to develop? When did you know that you were a gifted athlete?
2: I think once my seventh grade year played at the highest level possible for pop Warner football, and a lot of the guys on my team were high school players, like sophomores Mm -hmm. in high school. They were called older lighters, so they had to be they're older, but they had to be less weight than the normal weight. And once I knew that you know I could start and I could play with the guys who were already in high school, three years older than me, then I figured I would have a good shot. What positions did you play back then? Played running back, and I think I played outside linebacker and defensive end. My eighth grade year I had to sit out because I weighed too much. When I got to high school, I started immediately on varsity at safety. So you were a defensive guy to start high school. Mm -hmm. When did the switch happen full-time to offense? So at the end of my freshman year, we were 1-9, and and coach didn't want to lose anymore. So he basically, now that looking back at it, he tells me, you know, he wanted to put his best athlete at quarterback. And so I played the last game of my freshman year at quarterback, and then I played quarterback for the rest of my high school years, and then got picked up by Florida as a quarterback. What was it like going through the 1-9 and season? Horrible. It was definitely challenging just because as a competitor, you don't want to lose. And we had a really good team. Like we had a lot of athletes. We just didn't play well. And the guys were doing a lot of things, you know, off the field that me coming into high school was really Mm eye-opening. So uh, ever since I started being a quarterback going into my sophomore year, you know, I kind of took control of the team and just let everybody know we're not going to have that. We're not standing for it. And we started winning. We won three straight district championships in a row and three straight playoff appearances and all that. Ever any doubt? That you want to come back and play football? Because
1: a lot of times when you're young, if you're on a team that's not good, it's like, ah, they're no good. I don't want to waste
2: my time doing that. Mm. Did that ever creep into your mind at all or? No, I I wouldn't say there's any doubt. I don't think I'll ever doubt. I love the game, you know? Mm -hmm. So regardless, win, lose, or draw, I still have fun. I still have a good time out there. Obviously, there's more fun than winning. My head coach in college, Muschamp, would say the fun is in winning. I had a good time, you know, just playing the ball. What was the atmosphere like playing high school football in
0: Florida? Because you mentioned it's a laid back town that you come from and you always hear about, you know, Texas and Friday night lights Mm -hmm. and
2: that, how intense that environment is. What's it like where you grew up? It was actually wild. A lot more older people than younger people there. A lot of people go to retire there, but they're real faithful to their team, especially as we started getting better and better. And then I committed to Florida my sophomore year of high school. So everybody in the whole city, the whole town, it's not just one county. It's called the Tri County. So we got Manatee, Sarasota, and Charlotte County. So Mm -hmm. everybody in all three counties, you know, wherever we're playing, they all want to be there. And we were always the best team in the county. And so it was definitely a lot of fun. Place was packed and home and away and roads. Fans are wild and screaming at you and saying crazy stuff, and the <laughs> fans are cheering you on. So, prepared you for Philadelphia pretty much. Yeah, not as much. <laughs> I <can laughs> promise you that, not as much.
1: So, exactly as you're going through your high
2: school career, who was your high school coach and what type of impact did he have on you? My high school coach was John Peacock. He became the head coach my sophomore year. My freshman year, the coach resigned after, after okay. the one and nine season. So, John Peacock had Probably one of the biggest influences on my football career. He brought in a guy named John Cooley to be my quarterback coach. He had played in the NFL Europe and he played at Auburn. And so, just those two guys and another guy named Larry Shannon was a defensive coordinator. Just all three played in college, so they understood what it took to be a college athlete. Cooley and Larry Shannon. Larry actually played for the Dolphins and the Raiders, so he was played in the NFL for a couple of years, so he knew you know, what it took to get to the NFL. And throughout high school, they just really prepared me for college. You know, they treated me fairly. They treated me just like everybody else, which was really big for me, you know, not to get any, any special treatment or anything like that. I'm really thankful and I try to help them as much as I can now. You committed to Florida my sophomore, sophomore year? year. Yeah, after the season, yeah. What was the recruiting process like? Was it Short. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine. Well, no, so what happened was Dan Mullen was the offensive coordinator, and he's yep. now the head coach at Mississippi State. So Dan Mullen, Florida had this thing called Friday Night Lights, and so every one Friday night in the summer, they would have all their top recruits, all the guys that they really wanted in the swamp on a Friday night. And so since Florida had that, Florida State had something on Saturday called the Saturday Showdown. It was the same exact thing, the same exact, mm-hmm. exact yeah. guys, you know, that type of <laughs> stuff. So I go to Friday Night Lights, and I'm talking to Coach Mullen, and I'm just asking him, you know, what's the recruiting thing like? Cause I have never been recruited and no one in my family other than my grandfather has really been recruited to play football. And so he was kind of telling me like, we don't offer quarterbacks until their senior year and all this crazy stuff. And I was like, okay, that's fine. So I go to Florida State the next day and I get an offer right away. And Jimbo Fisher, who's the head coach now, he was an offense coordinator and quarterback coach. I mean, he was all over me, like really hands-on and really, really wanted me to come and, and showed me a really good time. And I and I was always a Florida fan growing up. So I, I was never really going to go to Florida State, but I definitely it was an eye-opening, changing experience for wait, me. Wait, wait, wait. Even if that was the only school yeah, to Offer you a scholarship. I mean, yeah, obviously. I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't these schools, but, <laughs> but the chances are if Florida State offers you then somebody else right. is going to offer you. True. So true. Uh, literally like two or three weeks after that I get the offer from Florida State. I get a call from Urban on like a random day and he's like, hey, we're going to offer you a scholarship. And I accepted. As a squad. quarterback though. Yeah, as a quarterback.
0: So Florida, their football program was like, I mean, it's huge now, yeah. but it was huge at that point, sure. right? That was when Tebow was there, I think at that point. You came immediately after Tim mm-hmm. Tebow was there. Did you look at what all the success that he was having, all the success they were having as a team. Did you see that and say that's where I want to be? Or was Florida kind of always your number one place?
2: It was always my number one place, but obviously with them winning as a recruit, you can go to every home game for free and you get two or three tickets and you sit like literally in the end zone on the field. So ever since I was a recruit, I was going to every single game. I would go to all the Florida games and if Florida was away, I'd go to like a USF or some Mm -hmm. other school in the area. So I was around the environment and I was around the coaches all the time. And especially after I got a scholarship and accepted it, you know, I was up there as much
1: as I possibly could.
2: So for three years,
1: you were going to games there? Every, yeah.
2: I think I went to every single game except for one because I had my homecoming dance that one night. And you're
1: like, can we every change the game? day of this, guys? Yeah. Come on now, <laughs> no. you know?
2: And it was uh, LSU, two at home. I was disappointed. <laughs> I missed it. Uh, so you get to Florida. What is the quarterback situation like? It was what? just me and John Brantley. So John Brantley was, uh, I think he was number two behind Cam Newton at recruited high school quarterbacks, and they both ended up going to Florida. So it was Tebow, Cam Newton, and John Brantley. And then obviously the thing happened with Cam where Cam got kicked out. And so it was just Tebow and Brantley. And then when Tebow left, it was Brantley's basically job to lose. And so I remember during training camp my freshman year, Urban coming into the quarterback meeting room, and we had Scott Leffler, my quarterback coach, and he was also Brady's quarterback coach in, at Michigan. Urban comes in the meeting room and like looks at me, and Urban's known for this, like looking at you, like, kind kind of weird and like not starting the conversation, but making you say like, hey, you know, what's going on? Like, what's the deal? Is he, this when you know something bad is going
1: to happen? Yeah, pretty something much? something's going to happen. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey,
2: your dad comes in and tells yeah. so you it's <laughs> like. Yeah, yeah, So he uh, basically looked at me. He was like, man, you're too athletic to sit on the bench. Like, I need you to play. Like, I need you to play something else. And that's kind of where, you know, it started me playing a bunch of different positions. And
0: how'd you take to that at first? I mean, you were this great quarterback in high school. You think you're going to be the next great quarterback at Florida Coach says, hey, we want to move you around. What's your initial reaction to that?
2: I looked at it this way. I'm going to sit the bench or I'm going to play. What's the best way for me to get on the field? The last thing I want to do, and I've never sat the bench you know, in my entire life, so and I just wanted to play. you know, Kind of like now, I just want to play. So I was really happy. I was really excited. I didn't really know what I was getting myself into. I didn't know how long it was going to last. It was fun to play. Did you ever follow the pass of the quarterbacks during that time going from high school
1: to Florida? and ever think about decommitting or changing your mind? You're like, Cam's there, Tebow's there, Brantley's there. Were you ever like, where am I going to fit into this picture? Or Florida or or Bust at that point?
2: I mean, really just Florida or Bust. It really didn't matter who was there. Kind of like here. Like, I came here and James Casey was here. You know, Ertz was here and Selick was here. So... Obviously, I wasn't going to play on offense, so I had to find another way to make it. And I didn't, honestly, before I decided to come here as a free agent, I didn't look at the roster. I didn't have any clue who was here. I just knew Selick because I've watched Selick my whole entire life and then knew Ertz because I knew they drafted them. So So go through the positions you ended up playing at Florida. Every offensive position except for offensive line. Could you have played
0: offensive line? No, no chance.
2: (laughs) Nor do I want to. What was your favorite position to play? Quarterback. Because you have the ball in your hands and you have the biggest impact on the game.
1: Do you think when it came time for the NFL draft, that versatility hurt you?
2: Mm-hmm. 100%. And that's one of the reasons why I signed with the agent I did. He knew his thing to me as soon as he called me the first day. He's like, listen, you might get drafted, you might not get drafted, but I believe that you'll play a long time in the league just because you know how to do so many different things.
1: You, know, you did not look at the roster at all. I'm, I'm signing you, with the
2: I my life I didn't look one time at the roster.
1: How many teams were calling you during that time period? Because over the years, we've heard the different scenarios of five teams calling you at Mm -hmm. once and you got to make a decision on the spot because they have other guys in line, almost similar
2: to a college recruiting standpoint. Mm -hmm. What was that period like for you? It really is just like a college, you know, recruiting deal. But I think it was like three or four teams who were real serious. A bunch of teams will call and, you know, they won't offer you anything or they just want you to come for rookie minicamp and that type of stuff. But I felt like Philly was always one of the teams and they were calling me during the draft, telling me that they were going to draft me, you know, and that I had a possibility of getting drafted. And uh, I had a really good relationship with coach Williams so that really kind of, you know, swayed me to come here.
1: How did you forge that relationship with Coach Williams? Just, Ted, Ted Williams? Yeah, just at the, com-
2: at the Combine. And he would call me, you know, after the Combine is checking with me. And, you know, he's a real strong believer and he has a lot of similar beliefs that I do. So uh, we really clicked right away. In terms of? Our religion, our faith, Christianity. Okay. Yeah. How did that come up with him? Is that something that he knew about you? I think that's how he knew it about me. One of the whole conversations we talked about one of the times he called me was just about that. And then just getting to know each other. It's amazing how that personal connection ends sure. up being the difference
1: Definitely. during that time. Mm-hmm. And the Eagles land a standout player on special teams in Burn because of that personal connection. So you can't come to Philadelphia, you mentioned Brent Selick's here,
2: Ertz here. It seems like you and James Casey shared a special bond. How did that start? Just his work ethic. He's such a good guy. A lot of times you hear a bunch of stories about... Rookies coming in and the veterans just destroying them and you know saying crazy stuff to them and making them do wild things and James was never like that neither are Celik and Ertz but James was he went out of his way to help me I can really say that about all three of those guys they really did a ton for me especially in my rookie year to really get my feet wet and tell me you know how things are supposed to go and how to be a professional.
0: Do you still talk to James? Casey? Oh yeah, for sure.
2: Does he still give you advice? What's kind of the, the normal conversation whenever you reach out to him? More about our families, just how our, his kids doing and, and how my kids doing and that type of stuff. It's funny
1: because when he was here, I used to hear the battles between he and Brandon Graham oh, yeah? to be the first to the facility. Because yeah. every day, Brandon Graham would say, I try to get there like 5.30, uh-huh. I'll pull in the lot, and James Case's car will still be there. He like, never leaves. So. He, he
2: did a lot of extreme things. He was really on the <laughs> extreme side. There's a lot of funny stories. I remember my coach, Coach Peel, telling me he was going in early, like at 6 o'clock in the morning to make sure our projector worked or something was <laughs> written on the board, yeah. and it was pitch dark in the room and he flipped the light, and James was in the back corner <laughs> taping his fingers at 6 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> what? In, a, in a dark room. In a dark oh, room, dark, in a corner. Pitch black room. <laughs> <laughs> what was, would you say
1: your welcome to the NFL moment?
2: My welcome to the NFL moment would have to be just the first round of cuts. We had six tight ends at the time. Do you remember um, who else was? Yeah, Blake Annan and Emil. I don't know how to say his last name. Iguanagu, yep. yeah. We're in the weight room. We're just lifting. And next thing you know, the Grim Reaper walks around and pulls those two out and never saw them again. What's your thought process going on? You see them getting taken out. You're kind of like, do I keep working out? Do I just ignore it? You know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was, it's just crazy. I mean, two guys that, you know, you build a relationship over a couple of months and it, you come to the reality that, you know, eventually it's going to happen to you. I don't know. I just kind of leaned on James and then I'm like, man, what's going on? You know, what, what, what do I do? Yeah. You know, do I keep lifting or do <laughs> I you know go get my stuff? So, yeah, it was, it was crazy.
0: Well, I think that one of the reasons that you were able to make the team is because of what you were able to do on special teams. Mm-hmm. Did you play special teams at Florida? I played a little bit, yeah. Because I would assume that coming in as a quarterback recruit yeah. might not play that much special teams, but you did play yep. a little mm-hmm. bit. So you come here. Dave Phipp is a special teams coordinator. What's he been like as kind of a a mentor
2: and a leader of that unit? Because, you know, we can hear him out there being loud, having fun with the guys, but what's he been like to you? In my opinion, he's a true leader of the unit. Just the way he conducts himself in meetings, the way he conducts himself when you go up there and talk to him privately. Like he's one of the realest coaches I've ever been around. He'll let you know where you stand, he'll let you know how you're doing. He'll let you know his opinion on you. And a lot of times you could be good or bad. He's such a player's coach. Like he really wants to get input from us. And, but the first couple of times I met him, it was pretty rough. You know, he was kind of trying to be hard on me and letting me know, like, it's not going to be easy. The only way you're going to make the team is on special teams. And I remember going up in one meeting I had with him personally, just one-on-one and we were watching film and he behind where you, where I would sit is the depth chart of everybody. And He like stopped the film and he was just sitting there for a second and he looks at me and he says, "Uh, you think you're going to play offense this year? And I was like, I don't know. I mean, I'm preparing like I will. And he got his laser pointer and turned me around and said, you got Brent Selick, Zach Ertz and James Casey. You won't play a snap of offense this year. The only way you're going to make the team is on special teams. Ever since then, I really opened my eyes. And, and I really enjoy playing special teams. It's more, you have more freedom to do what you want to do, kind of. In offense, everything's like so structured and you, everybody has to be on the same page. Whereas special teams, you know, you're playing as a team, as a unit, but it's more individual because you can do different moves and depending on the situation. So in some ways, that versatility that might have
1: hurt you coming to a draft might have actually saved you in some regards. Yeah, definitely. No doubt. When it comes to making the Eagles. Mm-hmm. Were you surprised? By all the touchdowns you guys generated oh, yeah. on special teams. It was my first year, year. you know. And, yeah. and
2: then James and Marigos, another guy who's really helped me out a ton, were like, bro, it's not like this every year. <laughs> like, don't get used to this. This is definitely a special year and just have fun. The last game against the Giants. Mm-hmm. Got the ball in your hands, mm-hmm. certainly
1: looked like you knew what you were doing with it. Was it like old times when yeah. you scored that touchdown oh, yeah. against the Giants? <laughs> a lot of fun,
2: tightrope in the, the sideline.
0: It's got to be interesting, though, because if you're a special teams player in that scenario, you probably don't expect to get the ball in your hands. No. Like You're going for the block, of course, but once it's in your hands, is it like? are you
2: even <laughs> thinking at that point, or is it just like, your instincts? Ah, got to run? Instincts just kick in, but we had a really high percentage of blocking that point, mm-hmm. and we really knew we were going to have a really good chance. So Why did you think that? just a scheme schematically and what we've seen on film. And I mean, I remember it like it was yesterday had to bluff, the guard and the guard came and lunged at me and everybody else has crashed in behind them and, and James ended up blocking it. But then the craziest part about it was Brayman was the first guy to touch the ball. Like he touched it. He said it like slipped at, like a bar of slope out of his hands. <laughs> And just went right between his legs, and I was the next guy up, and just picked it up and scored. Would Brayman have scored? I don't know. I haven't really looked and see what the dynamic was when he would have had the ball in his hand.
0: What'd you do with the ball?
2: I dove and I lost it. I'm pretty sure G. Yeah, G. Because I have it in my house. So, yeah, so G ended up getting it. Uh, Greg yeah, chose it our great, equipment yeah. manager. Okay, ended up getting in, and I have it at the house. You have it at the house. That's the main thing. I yep. didn't know
1: if you were like no I'm cherish this one. Gotta have morning. that one. Yeah, for sure. So 2015, second season in the league, you finally get some touches on offense. Mm-hmm. How do you think or why do you think that your role started to evolve? Is it just your personal development
2: or just the way that things worked out? Why do you think you've been able to expand your role? I definitely think the development, but the majority of the snaps I got on offense were against Detroit. Only reason I got those was just because Zach was hurt. So in reality, that's the only reason why that happened. But it's a lot harder for anybody really to play offense. You have to earn it. They're not just going to give you the opportunity. So, and I know who I have in front of me, two of the best in the league at, you know, what they do. That's really my goal this year is just to earn it. Like, I don't want anything given to me. I've never really had anything given to me. I just want to earn time to be on offense.
0: So your role's kind of taking a step up in each of your first two years. Yep. Heading into this year, what are your thoughts on this new offense? A little more intricate, a little bit more to do with the backs and tight ends and and those kind of things. What's your take on it to this point?
2: I love it. I like it a lot. I love Chip's offense too. I think coach is going to use a lot more tight ends in this offense. It was really hard with Chip's offense to sub just because you're trying to go so fast all mm-hmm. the time. And if you sub, the defense gets to sub. So you can't really do too much tempo. So if you're in at the very beginning of the drive, there's a really good chance you're going to be in at the very end of the drive. Obviously, we're going a lot slower, we're huddling up and doing things like that. So as in practice, I like coaches use a lot of tight ends and three tight end sets and that type of stuff. So I'm looking forward to that. It seems like that he wants
1: to get you involved. Mm-hmm. And it's not even so much three times per se, it seems like that he realizes the talent that he has with you and wants to find a way to maximize that. Is that why you think you fit so well in this offense?
2: Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I just come to work every day and whatever they want me to do, that's what I'm going to do and just play as hard as I can. You know, I can't really control where they line me up at, or where they put me up, but I can control, you know, how I run my route, how I block the effort, finishing and that type of stuff. What is it like for you when you go back to Venice, Florida now? Well, I'm actually having a camp pretty soon at the end of June, a really big kids camp. Last year, we had like 250, 200 kids. And I'm also putting together a big seven-on-seven tournament. So we have teams all the way from like the Panhandle all the way down to Naples playing this tournament. And we have really big named teams, Armwood, Plant, Manatee High School, my high school. It's a 15-team tournament and bringing something back to the community that no one else has really ever done because no one else in my high school has ever played in the NFL except for Dre Archer. But it's special, man, to be able to do something like that. I've always dreamed about something like that when I was a little kid. I'm really looking forward to it. So who's a better athlete between you and your brother? Athlete? I think I would have to say athlete, but he's a lot stronger than me and a lot bigger than I am. Okay. And where is he at now? now he, he's in Florida, in Tampa. He's in
1: Tampa right mm-hmm. now, so because he was with the Bills for a yeah, while, so yeah, he was
2: there for training camp last year.
1: Is he still trying to make it in the NFL? Or yeah, he was,
2: he... Uh, but I think he kind of realizing you know that he needs to find something else other than the football. I mean, he has a shot. He's one of those guys, man, that he just got injured. He was undrafted, like I was, mm-hmm. and uh, he had just got he was running, you know, with the ones and the twos in Buffalo. And since he was undrafted and he got injured, normally they would just get rid of you, but they kept him around for a couple of preseason games, and then once he wasn't able to get healthy, they had to let him go. But But he's one of those guys, you know, you hear tons of stories about guys who should be in the NFL, who have the talent, who have the work ethic, who are big and strong enough to do it. I wish, you know, someone would give him an opportunity. How did you meet your wife? Met her in college through some friends. She was actually at the community college in Gainesville and went to Florida after two years of the community college. Did you know when you first met? She was a one or? Definitely had the winner over. She's she's tough. She was definitely tough to get. She's Puerto Rican or a little crazier than (laughs) anybody else. But we met my freshman year. We were like the only two people in the whole city for Thanksgiving. And then we just continued to get together and movies and that type of stuff.
0: So two kids now? Yeah. To. and you're 24 yes
2: what's it like being a family man because I'm, yeah. I'm 24 and i do not have two kids <laughs> i wouldn't want it any other way i mean i love my kids to death i grew up without a father so i kind of know how important the fathership role is in my children's life i've always wanted to have kids at a young age i didn't know i was going to have my first one at 21 really wouldn't want it any other way well trey burton
1: thank you very much for yeah. joining us here on another edition of the eagles Insider podcast Every year there is a rookie free agent who fights his way onto the active roster, so I think Burton serves as a great role model for this year's group. And as we discussed in the interview, Burton's father didn't have an active role in his life, Mm -hmm. and that's one of the reasons why he is such a doting dad and making sure that he takes the time out to spend with his children and be that influence that he didn't have all growing up.
0: It's really incredible to see just how Trey lights up when he talks about his family. And as you mentioned at the top of the podcast, we've seen them. They've been here for practice. His son, his daughter, and his wife. His son was actually out on the field after practice wearing Trey's helmet and running around, (laughs) running routes. But he's 24 years old, but he's really taken on that role of being a father, which is something that he really didn't have in his life. And I think that's something that's really inspiring to see.
1: So since Burton didn't have a true father, so to speak, or his father was not really involved in his life, a man who filled that void was his high school coach, Invent. Florida, John Peacock. Let's find out why Peacock took Burton under his wing, so to speak, and when he realized just how special a talent Burton was. We welcome to the Eagles Insider Podcast, head coach of the Venice High School Indians in Venice, Florida, John Peacock, who coached tight end Trey Burton during his high school days down in Venice. And coach, when did you first meet Trey?
3: I want to say August 2006 when he was a freshman.
1: And did you know that he considers you a father figure to this day?
3: Yeah. I've done an interview about this before. There was an article last year. You know, I read it in my office started crying. So, I've heard that before.
0: What was Trey like when you first actually got to meet him? He's kind of a soft spoken guy, but he's one of the hardest working players on this Eagles roster. What was he like when you first got a chance to meet him?
3: He's exactly what you just described. You know, he came in as a freshman. He's probably one of three freshmen in our school history that started as a freshman. And, you know, he just came in, wasn't overly too big or too fast or anything, but he worked hard every day and led our team and, you know, most of our off-season conditioning drills and things of that nature. So we just kind of felt like he was ready as far as maturity and work ethic to uh, be a varsity football player. I was a defensive coordinator his freshman year, and he was a starting free safety, and the free safety, you know, makes all the calls on defense and has to call out the formations and pretty much is the quarterback on defense. So that was my experience with first meeting Trey and getting involved with him.
1: Coach, when did you realize that Trey Ray was a special talent.
3: Uh, his freshman year, when he was the safety force. I knew he had something special about him, just the way he worked and came to practice every day and kind of laid it on the line every day that we were with him. I got the head coaching job that off season. First thing I said is, Trey's going to be our quarterback. He's going to have the ball in his hand every snap, and we're going to go down with him or we're going to win with him one another. But he's going to be the focal point of uh, Venice High School.
0: What was Trey's reaction to that switch? I mean, was this something that you and he had kind of talked about maybe in passing? How did that switch go down, and what was his reaction to it?
3: Yeah, I don't think it was much. Of a discussion. It was just more like, you're the quarterback, you know, and we're going to be running a new offense and you're our guy. So you're just going to have to learn it. And he was always wanting to be a running back. And I think his last two years of top warner, he couldn't even play because he was over the weight limit. It was more of, a, you know, you're going to be the quarterback. We're going to go as you go and we're going to kind of learn together. You know, it was my first deal being a head coach and his first deal being a quarterback and putting a new offense in. And we kind of grew together and had some a little bit of growing pains that first year, losing a couple games we shouldn't have lost, but we also wanted to do games. We weren't supposed to win. He really changed our program. We're a pretty dominant program. Like, you know, for instance, we're ranked preseason the 14th best team in Florida, all classifications. year. You know, if you're one of the top 14 teams in the state of Florida, you're a pretty good football team. It started with him. He kind of got us going and kind of put the expectations on us each year, too. He had him three years. And the first year when he was a sophomore, we beat a Manatee team that played in the state semifinals and was returning the whole team. And we went down there and he just dominated the game. And basically wonderful. for us. I expected a lot from him. I didn't treat him as a quarterback. We put expectations on him greater than anyone else, just as any player on our team now. If it's our best player, we're going to put higher expectations on him and not baby him, but more or less be a little bit tougher on him, if anything. He was just a great teammate, a great person to be around in the locker room. And I consider him one of my good friends right now. I coached him and a little bit older than him, but I talked to him all the time and get to be around his kids. He comes back He runs a kid's camp here for us for free in the community. I mean, the community loves it. He's just to outstanding person.
1: Coach, did you know? of his family situation, that his father wasn't involved in his life as you were coaching him?
3: Yes, I did. You know, we talked about it, and I try to be open, and I don't think it's something that he enjoys talking about a whole lot, but, you know, I knew the background, and I asked him how he felt about it, and we talked before he went off to University of Florida. I just said, hey, you know, Ian, there's a pretty good chance that he tries to get back in your life and sees that you're successful, and I don't know where it's at now if anything's changed or anything's different. He's pretty strong. He kind of was the man of the house. Kind of weird to say that. He has a younger brother, play and another younger brother, Jake. And I think Clay's two years younger than him, and Jake is eight, nine years younger than him. And he was kind of like the bad. Clay and Jake looked up to him. And Clay's actually, I just hired him. He's going to be coaching for me this year. That's great. Teaching job here at the high school.
1: So, Coach, did you feel like that you had to be the one? You mentioned you helped instill that toughness in trade. Did you feel like that because of his family background that you had to be the one to kind of push him a little bit more in that direction to kind of bring the best out of him?
3: I never thought that way. He was a pretty mature kid for high school. He was our team. I mean, if we want to run the ball and get a first down, I'm going to call his number. He ran the offense. We signaled everything from the sideline, and I expected him to know the offensive linemen's responsibilities, the running back's responsibilities, so they would have a question, you know, he could direct them. So, more of the mental side, there was a lot of responsibility for him. There's always one story I like to tell we were playing Manatee, and I want to say it was his junior year, and we were up on him, and Trey is just having a great game, and he started cramping up. And he flipped it over like, oh, my calf's cramped up. And then I called his number again, and, you know, just basically, you know, suck it up and go. He's really bob I've always been honest with him. Makes a good play, makes a bad play. And he's a hard worker and obviously he's committed. I'm sure you guys know that. And I'm sure it's pretty evident where his
0: mind is and what's important to life. You mentioned that work ethic and that's really what landed him on this Eagles team. Signed on as an undrafted free agent. Weren't sure exactly where he was going to fit. Was he going to be a tight end, running back, wherever? And it was on special teams where a lot of players, those fringe players, that they really make or break their NFL careers. And that's what Trey was able to do. Were you surprised to see that he was able to adapt to that special teams role as quickly as he did? Man,
3: I've been so impressed with the way he's adapted his whole career from when he stepped on at University of Florida and was recruited as a quarterback and then moved from fullback to tight end to receiver. I've been very, very impressed with his whole career and how he's adapted and then his effort on special teams. You know, He told me he's been a long sniper, too. So that's pretty impressive also.
1: <laughs> when you talk to Trey... He cherishes his role as a father because obviously his father wasn't involved in his life. Do you take pride in helping shape him and becoming the man and with that, the father he is today?
3: are awesome. I don't know if you've been around him, but they're pretty awesome kids, and his wife is awesome, and it's a really cool family. I'm just so proud. I just can't believe this happened so quick. This seems like a year or two ago, he's in high school, and now he's a grown man with a family, and he's just a good person and someone that was such a great player for us. I can look to our kids and say, hey, this is how you need to carry your life. and use him as an example all the time. We try to watch him on film on special teams. You don't have to coach effort as much in the NFL because people are getting paychecks, and if you don't have effort, you're not going to get your paycheck or get sent home. But in high school you have to coach effort so it's nice to say hey look at the effort getting down the field and trying to make a play here and with him being a grad at our from our high school and someone that comes back and is visual to our team it's neat that he gets to walk in our weight room and talk to our team now.
1: Well, Coach, that was our last question. Either way, we greatly appreciate the time, and uh, thank you for sharing some light. And I know training camp is right around the corner for you, so best of luck this football season down there in Venice. Thanks, Coach. It's great hearing that anecdote about the time that Burton read that story, the Philadelphia Magazine story about Trey Burton and his growing up and what Peacock meant to him, because role models and family figures like that, they don't always know exactly exactly just what they mean to a person. So it was really touching and moving to hear Peacock talk about that he read those words in that article and it brought him to tears because it finally showed to him what he was able to do for Trey.
0: It's also really interesting just to hear that they're still really good friends to this day. I mean, when these two people met, Trey's obviously a freshman going into high school. So really a young man and a coach. And it's kind of developed over the years into where they're two just really good friends now. And I think both these people have done a lot for each other because not only has Peacock been there for Trey to kind of be that father figure, but Burton's also done a lot for that program. He goes back and, and runs kids camps down there and all those kind of things and really helped put that program on the map. So it's a Really good story of two people kind of meeting under different circumstances and coming away with with something really nice. And also overcoming the odds. Everybody
1: has something that they need to overcome or push through when they're growing up. And a lot of people will come from broken homes and use that as an excuse or sort of a ball and chain as to why they can't excel in life. And Burton's example of, look, he overcame it. He didn't have a father, but made his way and earned a scholarship to Florida. Hey, he wasn't drafted, but now he's going into his third NFL season. And I'll say it, he's a lock to make the team this season. It's not like he's a question mark like he was his first couple of seasons. The coaches have raved about him, like you said at the top of the show, Alex, and he's definitely going to have a role in this offense and not just on special teams this season. So that's going to do it for us here on the second episode of the Eagles Insider Podcast. Remember, please rate and leave a comment wherever you consume our podcast. And you can even reach out to us directly on Twitter. You can go to at Eagles. I'm at cmac Eagles, C-M-A-C Eagles. And then Alex is at Alex underscore Smith. So thank you very much for listening to the Eagles entire podcast. We will be back once again next week.